Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. I've got Susie Allegood back with me. Susie, it's nice to have you back so soon. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, we just did a, a topic on harassment, so go check that one out. There's uh, three key actions for preventing harassment in your workplace. We were actually having a conversation months ago about, actually, this all really came from a book that we read as a leadership group, right? The leadership contract. It was It really hit home for us because I think often employers are are pushing people along the management track before they're ready, right? And you brought up some really good points about how do we like how, how as employers could we get people ready or prepared to take on those management role because uh, at the point in the leadership contract do you agree to this or not? And some people aren't really ready for it and don't want to agree to it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the book was really eye-opening for us because like many employers, especially small employers, uh, as you grow, you recognize the need to have additional layers of management or leadership. And so you generally pluck your top performers and put them in that role. And from your vantage point, you're feeling great. Like, hey, I'm providing this person with this great opportunity and, you know, they're going to be happy. And, you know, here we've got career pathing and all this going on in our organization when sometimes that's not the best decision because you may have top performers or people who are subject matter experts or, you know, have strong technical skills that really don't have a passion uh, for being a supervisor of others and you can actually find yourself in a position of having declined performance from that individual for that reason, or even potentially losing that key contributor if you put them in a, a leadership role and they're not ready. And the challenge is, is that people often don't have awareness around their readiness. So employers, hopefully as part of their performance management process, they're having regular discussions and dialogue with their employees about what's next for you. What do you see as your career path? And you know, we may not have a promotion in the near future, but let's start having these conversations to really get clear about what really motivates you and what are the, the aspects of your job that you enjoy most um, and what do you want to do and learn more about. That would be the proactive way, but what often happens? Like, Why do people get pushed up the management track is it because of competency, like they're really good at what they're doing? So to get more money, it's it's the next best thing is to become a manager title. Like, is that is that why? Yeah. So there's usually a business need and there's usually a, a key contributor, right? Mm. And so, um, you know, there, there are many win-win situations there, but often there are also situations which Zenium, honestly, we're, you know, 
consulting and training on best practices, we found ourselves falling into the trap where you have this key contributor, highly valued, want to make sure that they're challenged and engaged. And so you promote them. And, you know, in our case, like many employers, we didn't give the person time to consider, you know, in leadership contract, you know, it states leadership is a decision. And so you really need to provide a realistic preview and, and certainly a job description uh, so that the person understands, okay, how, what am I giving up and what am I going to be expected to do yeah. more that, they, may, they, they may love the work and not the, the people side to it. Yes. And the whole concept of the leadership contract is I am consciously deciding, right, and committing to being a leader of others. And, you know, employees need to know that this isn't necessarily a requirement for your continued progression or success in this organization so that they have permission to say no, because often what happens is employees will accept the role because they're worried that this is their only means of growing and advancing their career. So that's why these is that really open, authentic the, that, discussions that could actually happen. could be the case in some cases. Like where if this is the, where the business is going, this is what the needs are. But let's figure that out, right? I think that's that's where you're talking about proactive discussion back and forth. Because if absolutely. you're not going to agree to it, then let's let's figure out something else. Yeah, absolutely. And there still may be a place for a very technical subject matter expert individual to grow within your organization or continue to add value. And so it's worth exploring that, right? If you're trying to, you know, retain that talent. Let's take the example you said, uh, this has happened to us. So let's, let's take this example of what could we have done differently? Look in obviously hindsight 2020, what could we have done differently to prepare so yeah. if we provide that opportunity to say, hey, we can get you on a management track, obviously a, a very key contributor uh, within the function, what would we have done differently? Yeah. And, and it was hard lesson, painful lesson to learn because we care so much about our people and our culture. But we we found ourselves in a reactive position, unfortunately, and we didn't think it through and properly equip and prepare this individual or even give them the option of the decision in a way, you know, we kind of sold them on it because that's what we needed. But, you know, like I mentioned before, having, if you're being strategic, hopefully you're looking ahead and identifying your talent needs based on your business growth so that you're not in a reactive position. We know that's not always practical, but if you do find uh, yourself in a position of needing to elevate someone or hire someone even from the outside in a leadership role, then it's worth taking the time to really evaluate the individuals just like you would an external candidate. Go through an interview process. Make sure that you're painting a realistic job preview. Um, you're having a discussion around, okay, what are the competencies associated with this role and what are the areas that you you know, are strong in and what's going to be our plan for developing you in these other areas. And ideally, that's done before the person's thrust into that role because here you have someone who's a high performer, they're all of a sudden thrust into this role and they have super employees coming at them yeah. from all directions. Yeah. This is what happened to our employee. You know, She agreed because she cares about the company and the culture, didn't really have an opportunity to evaluate, is this the best fit for my interests and goals? Accepted the position to be a team player. Her performance went down, You know, even though she struggled because she had 
people coming at her from all directions and she didn't have the training or the support to be able to effectively help those folks and balance the, the you know duties of her job. And we ended up sending her to training after mm. she was promoted, mm-hmm. right? And she's actually, since she gave us this feedback, thankfully, but she's sitting in the trainings and she's thinking, you know, we're not nice. following our own recommendations. Yeah. And hard lesson to learn for us, but it's one that, employers really need to be paying attention to if they care about their people and their culture. I think that's a great point because we're, you're, we're obviously telling the story of what happened. We're not isolated to this. Employers are doing this all the time, right? So they have somebody who's high performer. They need a manager. They fill the role without an agreement, very little training, experiential learning, any of that going on in advance. So let's say... We'll take the proactive approach now from that lesson learned. Now employers listening to the story can take the proactive approach. In advance of that, sort of that that agreement, okay, yeah, I want to become a leader. This is the path for me. What can an employer do from a competency standpoint? What competencies and skills or on-the-job experience or learning needs to happen in advance for that person to really understand what they're getting into? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of things, like you said. I think it's... Um some training based yeah. on best practices, but also some experiential learning. Yeah. And, That'd and be the hardest one, I would think, because you're, I mean, you're so used to this one thing, unless you're shadowing all the time or yeah. leading and, people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think easing someone in to a new role and helping them find their balance. And, you know, cause you're, once you're a supervisor and no longer an independent contributor, the single biggest challenge is how do I balance what's on my desk with what's on others' desks, right? How and that's that's the biggest challenge. It's a time management, it's a prioritization, planning, organizing work. And so I think if the more you can ease someone into that, so maybe having them do it on a part-time basis or be in a lead role where they are working alongside mm-hmm. a current supervisor and backing them up. Obviously, organizations may not always have that luxury, but I think if you can give them some taste of what it would be like and slowly increase their responsibilities, that is the best case. Another example, which I've had a couple of clients do, is they have created a leadership development program where they have, or they have us, for example, come in and facilitate customized workshops, all based on those core competencies for being a good supervisor and leader. And they offer training once a month and they pull all of their leaders and emerging leaders together. So Mm, you have people who are in lead roles who are just kind of dipping their toe into the water of, of leadership Um, You have your mid-level managers and then you have your senior leaders and they're all in this cohort, so to speak, together, learning the same skills, sharing experiences. That's interesting. um, And it provides that more junior member or independent contributor who's, you know, considering moving up into a leadership role, the opportunity to really assess, okay, is this... Well, they get to hear the stories, right? They get to they, they get to be in the room with people who've been through it and can actually tell the, the stories that maybe you wouldn't want to hear or that you wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. 
Yeah. And it's actually, the thing that I love about it too, is that it becomes a, a team building yeah. opportunity too. People have an opportunity to connect with each other outside of the, the day-to-day operations. And also they have the opportunity to really get aligned on their leadership practices as a, as a team. So you were saying a second ago, ease them into it, the emerging leaders. So let, let's take myself as an example. Let's say there was, there was a position I was looking at, accepting at some point. So maybe it's January 1st. And then how long would this sort of time frame take place of, of development programs, experiential learning? Are, are we talking like for July 1st and it's like a six month program before I decide whether or not I want the job or what, how does that look? Yeah, I would say uh, if you're a large organization, you probably have the ability to have a more structured management training program like that. But smaller organizations need to be a little bit more nimble (laughs) and flexible (laughs) generally. So here's the key. If supervisors are having ongoing discussions, at least monthly, with their direct reports, about, hey, let's discuss your strengths, your interests, your aspirations. And if there is an understanding there that, hey, I am considering a supervisor position or I am interested in moving into this role, then let's start now exposing you to some opportunities. So let's set some goals right now before a position even opens up. And that may be three months from now, one year from now, two years from now. We don't know all the time. But if we're having that dialogue and we have identified that this person has some skills in a particular area that are of benefit to the business and they have an interest and desire to lead others, then that's when you start setting some goals around, okay, how can we start exposing you to some other on-the-job opportunities or get you some professional development so that you can start building some of those knowledge, skills, and abilities in advance and also in that process decide, okay, I, I need to you know, affirm that, yeah, this is the path that I want to take. You you breezed over it really fast and I wanted to make sure I, I put you on the spot. What What were those competencies for the the supervisor manager, like if you're going to put them into like a couple different buckets, what are those main competencies that they they should get the training and development for? Sure. So there's there's usually a set of hard skills and soft skills associated with being a manager. Um, So the hard skills are, are more around the role of a supervisor, understanding what are the basic employment laws that influence what decisions I make. Uh, around employment, so hiring, performance management, termination. Um, how do I appropriately respond to employee complaints? How do I uh, hold people accountable to policies and performance expectations? So those more hard skills where you have some clear policies and procedures around supervising employees. And some of that can include your performance management process, compensation as well. Then there are the soft skills, yeah, right around. Uh, they're more behavioral in base. So Those are the harder ones. The experience is probably what's going to help you with that. Exactly. So it's the coaching, yeah, feedback, communication, obviously, uh, conflict management, change, helping people through change. Also, 
being able to be strategic in understanding, okay, here's where the business is going and here are the, you know, knowledge, skills, and abilities we need, right? And how to put people in the right roles. So those are more that strategic and critical thinking skills. So they need both. Yeah. And usually we build a curriculum, yeah. a core curriculum um, that addresses each one of those. Yeah, I was going to say because that's a lot of different areas of competencies. And if you, do, if you really haven't thoughtfully mapped that out, like what types of development you're going to have for each of those competencies, like I could see people just spinning their wheels, really not knowing how to d- develop certain areas. So what are you recommending for some of those categories? I don't know if you want to just briefly mention some of those things, but I imagine you obviously work in live workshops, group setting. Yeah. What else? So the the hard skills, right, around the laws, policies, right, procedures related to hiring, performance management, those can be delivered in a workshop format, right? So you can do a training on understanding employment law and my role as a supervisor. You, We call it HR basics, for example. You can do a workshop around the performance management process and our tools and how we use them. You can do a workshop around recognizing and preventing workplace harassment and how to appropriately respond to workplace complaints. Uh, so those are can be offered either or both in a workshop format or even online learning. Mm -hmm. Once you get into the soft skill areas, so, uh, you know, talking about conflict, communication. Seems like role play would be great for that. Feedback, that's what you, yeah. The online training isn't going to provide as much value. Because you need probably a partner or a group to, to practice with. Exactly. And you only get better at those skills through practice and through making mistakes and making modifications. So um, those are ongoing, lifelong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> development opportunities for us. And so, again, knowing that, the earlier you can expose people to on-the-job and you know, workshop opportunities, the better. You know, I've always heard that, I think we say it, uh, but employees should own their development and learning. But with like with the emerging leader... How do you, like, is there a balance? Like, is it driven by manager or executive leadership? Is it a combination of both? Like, how does that sort of plan and agreement work out? In my experience, I find that it's best if it's a partnership, right? Yeah. The dialogue, two-way dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately, the employee, us as individuals, are responsible for our performance, right? I mean, we all know we can't manage people or motivate people they are responsible for their own performance and success. But we need as employers and leaders to make sure that we're engaging employees in that conversation, that we're sharing what's going on in the business and what opportunities might be available for those individuals so that they can participate in that conversation and they have, they, they have an understanding that there's an investment in them and what options might exist for them nowadays like with with technology i think people are probably wanting to resort to just be behind their computer doing training or reading a book or or whatever it may be what have you found uh and just in terms of alternative development opportunities for those competencies related to management and leadership where 
you know, if an emerging leader can't necessarily go to a workshop like you're describing here, like for those those competencies, what can they do that's going to develop those over time? There's plenty of great books out there. Uh, if you can incorporate that with some social learning, like the book groups that we yeah. do, that's uh, often valuable. There are some great online resources, whether it be training or articles or podcasts, right? I would say it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, time is so precious and everybody's wanting on-demand learning. Yeah, now, now, now. I actually have had more requests still to date around instructor-led workshops. Employers are still wanting to invest in bringing a third party, right? Even if they have their own HR person, they find benefit in bringing in a third party who can, you know, reinforce what HR has communicated in terms of best practices, but also uh, someone who has some skills around facilitation and learning to get the team together in in a safe collaborative environment and get them discussing, okay, how do we want to show up as leaders? What are going to be our consistent best practices? And how can we start in a safe environment testing out and practicing these more soft skills that we talked about to increase our effectiveness. So it's interesting. You have to, as a company like us, a training company, you have to make sure that you have e-learning options, but I'm finding that they're not replacing the other types of training. It's more of a supplement or maybe a stopgap. It's probably for Um, those that really can't get to the mm in-person stuff. Maybe they're working out of their home or something or just time of day doesn't work for them or something but i've got i mean i've got a theory behind why that why you're why we're still getting the live workshops versus Mm -hmm. the the other stuff and i think it's because there's so much content out there it's so fragmented and i can't tell you how many times i've ran across like a marketing course online where i'm like i buy it because it's it sounds cheap it sounds good and it just sits in my library and i never take it because i still resort to the experience first and then I, I love to read. So I always would take those two things first. And I think the other part of it, like why live workshops make sense is you're going to have one instructor who's who, who knows the curriculum, knows what's probably right for this group. They customize it. And then it, it's a dialogue starter between a group of people that all work together versus if everybody's doing their own thing. I don't know how effective that would be. Yeah. Well, there's no sharing. Yeah, for exactly. sure. There's no social learning piece. And there are no certainly no action items yeah. that come out of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I thought there would be more of a demand for the online learning in lieu of the workshops or as an alternative, but I'm definitely seeing both and a key interest in the workshops. Yep. I do have a client who, for example, if they promote uh, some folks or, or getting ready to promote some folks before they can schedule a team workshop, they may offer an online learning. So just kind of priming Mm -hmm. the person. I've also seen it for like new employees too, where Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, I got a new employee starting, let's enrol them in this Mm e-course. Just because it's like the standard one that maybe everybody's gone through. So that seems like it's appropriate in that case. But yeah, I don't don't think, to your your point, I don't think it's replaceable. I don't think it replaces the live workshops. Yeah, I think you need a blended learning approach for sure. Well, it's interesting because I noticed internally here, we had one of our senior leaders encourage a 
key contributor who's not in a supervisor role to enroll in one of our supervisor workshops. And I think that's um, that's what we're talking about yeah. here, the proactive yeah. stuff, because love it. exposing that individual to what it looks like to effectively manage performance, how to engage and develop people, um, will allow that person to figure out, okay, is this something that I really aspire to do? And if so, I'm getting the information and starting to build these skills before a promotion comes up. Something I saw you do years ago, I think with one of our bigger clients, that's probably, I don't think any longer with us anymore, but you built, basically built a matrix. And maybe this is what you're talking about from a professional development standpoint uh, with the program that you build. But you had the competencies. I don't know if it's lift, listed on the left-hand mm-hmm. side. So this is like for a particular role, mm-hmm. competencies on the left and then you would have like the the learning style across the top. So it could be like live workshops. So for this competency, you have this workshop. And then for this competency, maybe along like the book uh, mm-hmm. column, you would have all the books listed. So I thought that was a really cool approach. And so if, you, if like if you're being really proactive with your employees about it, it's like have building a matrix. Mm-hmm. Like say, hey, okay, this is where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And start checking them off. Mm-hmm. You still do that? Um, yes, although uh, not all clients ask for that. Yeah, necessarily or are that um, proactive about it. Request that or need something that's structured, especially if they are building out a series of training. So they've kind of you know here here's the one thing there is there's there are the foundational competencies, which we talked about, those hard skills and soft skills that pretty much anybody who's in a manager role should have. Um, and so a lot of our clients are are um, taking that, let's build the foundation approach where let's offer uh, training and experiences in all these key areas of hiring, right, coaching, right, leading employees. And then the next layer would be maybe being a little more detailed about defining, okay, what are the leader competencies, specific leader competencies within our organization? And then providing development recommendations. And you can do it based on the varying learning styles. So you could do workshop options, social learning options, and experiential options. And so it would take someone, obviously, to help plug in those spaces. But for each competency, there would be some options for the employee. So if I want to develop my change management or change leadership competency, what workshop is available for me to take? What books might be helpful and applicable if I'm doing self-study? What are some on-the-job or social learning experiences that might be available to me here at work that I can engage in so that I can start developing those competencies? So that's a very structured, thoughtful model that can work. So let's say an employer who's listening wants to develop some sort of program like this. And... There's such an abundance of information out there. Like like literally anybody who has a podcast mic like I have right here, they could they could create a podcast, they could create an e-learning course. And there's a lot of bad information out there, right? Like we could be saying stuff that makes no sense and people take our advice because they trust us. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad stuff out there. 
how do people go about building a program and finding a third party mm-hmm. that is going to fit their needs? Do they go on recommendations? Do they take the course themselves and figure mm-hmm. out like, what do you think? Yeah. So I can tell you what we've seen <laughs> right, from the market. So a lot of uh, folks that come to us that haven't had a prior relationship are coming through referrals or if they're not coming through uh, a referral through their professional network, then they are finding us online and generally will test out one of our workshops. So they'll send an HR person or manager or maybe two to some of our workshops to get a sense for, okay, is is the, uh, the content, the uh, engagement level, right? Technical knowledge of the facilitators. Is this all aligned with what we're trying to accomplish, right? So um, that's generally how it works. I also have clients who are a little bit more conservative in committing to us building out, you know, a year's worth of of monthly training. That's really proactive. Yeah. Some clients will say, okay, well, let's start with two. Let's start with like so a basically basics. Getting a feel for is this going to work or exactly. not? Exactly, <laughs> and testing their yeah. audience to see they how they respond. Get feedback from the employees afterwards too. Absolutely, okay. that's part of our process. Good. A standard part of our process, um, and a lot of times we use that opportunity to ask about their training needs and interests too, if they haven't done that before. So, you know, some of our clients are doing that where they're like, well, let's just try out maybe an HR basics or a leadership essentials and see how our, you know, group responds and if this is something that we want to continue. As we kind of roll out of here, if somebody like listening says, oh man, I want to just have a conversation with you about developing a program like this, what would your approach be to something like this? Because I'm sure they'll experience that with any, any vendor building some sort of program, right? So what would you, what would you do to get to know them and then build it out? Yeah, well, I always like to learn about their business and where they're at in their growth uh, and what the priorities are because that will inform training needs and and what needs to be prioritized. So, for example, I just um, worked on a proposal for a very fast-growing wealth management organization, and, you know, they're looking to offer some core training for their supervisors. They have a lot of younger uh, leaders in their in their company, and we were trying to figure out what the priorities were. And based on my dialogue with the decision maker, it was clear that based on their fast growth, they were doing a lot of hiring. And so, really important in that situation to make sure that you're getting the right people, right? And they have some good clarity around their culture. And so, okay, do we have a thoughtful process and are people trained in order to recognize and vet out who is a culture fit. So strategic hiring became the priority for training. When they initially came to us, they were thinking, okay, we got to do harassment training just from a risk management standpoint. But as we talked further about what's going on in their business and what the needs were, we identified, yes, harassment training is important, but based on what's going on in their business, They've got to get people yeah. up to speed on how to hire That's fascinating. Well. So you're almost saying like developing this program and tackling the, those needs first. Mm-hmm. That actually end up having impact on their culture long term because people actually figure out how to hire the right people. Yeah. I wouldn't even have thought that 
That's a good point. Yeah, so there's a little consulting on the yeah. front end to understand, you know, what's going on with their business. Also understanding what's the makeup of the group, who's going to be involved in the training. Is Does senior leadership endorse this? Are they going to be participating? One of the things that's that's a challenge often is that senior leadership will hire us to come in and do these workshops, but they won't be visible or even participate with their managers in these sessions. And so mm. it creates a divide almost. Well, you know, some of the feedback we'll get is, well, I wish my manager or the senior leaders were in this training. But in addition to that, what it's inadvertently communicating is that, yeah, this is important, but not important for me to be there, right? It's it's kind of valued, <laughs> right? Um, so that can hurt the engagement level a little bit there and, and how people actually decide to apply what they've learned. Anything else you want to say on this? I, I could talk all day I long. I know you could. But, um, <laughs> yeah. What do you want to leave people with before we part? Yeah, I think the final thing back to what we talked about in the beginning is employers care about their top performers and want to keep them. And the key is be thoughtful about putting them into manager or leadership roles without some discussion and some time devoted to exposing them to what that job is going to involve and what it would look like and giving them the opportunity to make a conscious decision and commitment because at the end of the day, that's what leadership requires. Susie, thanks for being part of the podcast. It's a lot of fun. Sure. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc., For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.